This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray first. Father, we do thank you that, Lord, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, Lord, and thank you that you are the one to give us the counsel that we need, and we need that counsel this morning from your word, and so, Lord, guide us, O thou great Jehovah, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you turn in your Bible, please, to Joel chapter one, Joel chapter one, verse one. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Petuel, hear ye this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land, hath this been in your days, or even the days of your father? Tell ye your children of it. Let your children tell their children, their children and other generation. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten, and that which a canker worm hath eaten hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your youth, from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste, barked my fig tree, he hath made it clean bare, cast it away, the branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourneth, the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Sanctify ye a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Is not the meat cut off before our eyes, yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under your, their clods. The garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, the corn is withered, 
How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of water are dried up and the fire hath devoured the pastures of wilderness. Now, we start a new book. We start a new book today, the book of Joel. Very important book. I know that, you know, I'm gonna do chapter one. Next time I speak, it's gonna be chapter three. You're gonna say, where's chapter two? YouTube, friendship with God. Anyway, Joel means, the word Joel means Jehovah is God. Very simple, Jehovah is God. We look at that and we see Jehovah as Jehovah Jesus, so we see Jehovah Jesus is God, we should all have the name Joel as a reminder that Jesus is God. We don't know very much about this prophet, very little at all. The only thing we're told in verse one is the name of his father, Pethuel, and I think the only reason that he tells us the name of his father is because of the meaning behind the name Pethuel, his father's name means in Hebrew, influenced by God. Joel's father was influenced by God. Joel was influenced by God, and he's going to make a point of that further on in his book. But we don't know who Pethuel is. We don't know which city Joel lived in. We don't know which tribe Joel came from. We don't know if Joel had brothers or sisters, and on and on it goes. Joel did not want us to know about Joel because the message of Joel's book The message of Joel's life is not Joel. The message of Joel's book, the message of Joel's life, what Joel wants us to focus on is the beginning words of this book in verse one, the word of the Lord. If people focus on Joel, then Joel will have failed in his life because the message of Joel is God and his word. And that's the way our lives should be, not about us but about God and his word. Just as Joel would say, I focus people on God, then my life is a success. And if I focus people on me, then my life is a failure. So with us, if we focus people on Jesus Christ, then our lives are a success. And if we focus people on us, then our lives are a failure. John the Baptist was a very, colorful person, dressed in his camel hair, eating locust and honey out there in the wilderness and the rough and the wild, preaching very fiery. And John the Baptist knew that the greatest threat that he faced in his life is that people came out to see him as the great attraction. And that's why John the Baptist said about Jesus Christ and himself in John 3.30, John 3.30, He must increase, I must decrease. And notice how John the Baptist did not say, I must decrease and he must increase, but John the Baptist put Christ first in John 3.30. He must increase and I must decrease because John the Baptist put Jesus Christ first and the necessity of Jesus Christ to increase and therefore the necessity of himself to get out of the way of Christ. Now there's a very important little word that Joel has used in his book to tell us the source of what 
he is writing about, and it is the word to in verse one. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. Joel uses this word to, not from. The source of this book is not Joel. Even though the name of this book is the book of Joel, this book does not come from Joel. This book and this message, and Joel is telling us in verse one, is the word of the Lord that came to Joel. And that's the way we should see this book, as coming from God to Joel to us. And that's how God wants us to see the whole Bible. God wants us to look at this book and to realize that the Bible is God's word that was revealed to men who wrote the Bible then to us. It's so easy and it's so wrong to see the Bible as a compilation of writings to people thousands of years ago. And if that's all that the Bible is viewed as, then the value of the Bible is lost. When Jesus Christ was speaking to Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, did not believe in life after death, Jesus Christ quoted a passage from the Bible in which God was speaking to Moses a thousand years before the Sadducees, more than a thousand years, and Jesus Christ used the same word that Joel used, this little word too, and it had all the meaning in the world when he said, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 22, 31, Matthew 22, 31, as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus Christ was quoting from Exodus 3, what God said to Moses at the burning bush over a thousand years earlier than he was quoting it, speaking there. And yet Jesus Christ did not say in Matthew 22, 31, have you not read that which was spoken unto Moses by God? I mean, after all, in Exodus 3.15, God was speaking to Moses, but Jesus Christ said that God was also speaking to the Sadducees, and that's how we should view the Bible, as every part of it, God speaking to us, just like that child songs goes. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All the blessings of his love, divine. Every promise in the book is mine. From Genesis to Revelation, every word in the Bible is spoken by God through men to us. Now, God calls out in this book, in verse two, one group of people he calls the old men. Hear ye this, ye old men, and give ear. God calls in the old men to give ear. And that sets for us a scene of giving an ear to God and not to other things. That's a convicting word for us because it causes us to ask the question, what do I give my ear to? How much time in the day do I give my ear to God to listen to him in the Bible? Like the hymn says, have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin, as he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? 
Room for Jesus, King of glory, hasten now his word obey. Swing the heart's door widely open, bid him enter while you may. Room for pleasure, room for business, but for Christ the crucified, not a place that he can enter in the heart for which he died. Room and time now give to Jesus. Soon will pass God's day of grace. Soon your heart left cold and silent and the Savior's pleading cease. Now, God tells the old men about the judgment that's coming and he says in verse three, he says in verse three, tell ye your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. God wanted the old men to tell their children, to tell their children, to tell their children, to tell their children, their children, and so forth, that this should be passed on, what God has done. There is a great tragedy today in America, and the tragedy today is that we have a whole generation that know nothing about Jesus Christ. Children today know all about sex, but children today know nothing about Christ who made them. Children today know all about transgenders, but children today know nothing about Jesus Christ who made them male and female. Children today know all about homosexuality and sin, but children today know nothing about Jesus Christ who purifies the heart and forgives of sin. Why is that? Why is that today that children know nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ? is because mothers and fathers and old men failed to do verse three. Verse three, tell you your children of it and let your children tell their children and the children another generation. So we have a whole generation today that are lost in the world not knowing anything about the Savior, Jesus Christ, and it only took one generation. It only took one link to be broken in America, a generation of mothers and fathers who failed and broke the link of verse three, tell you your children of it, let your children tell their children and children another generation. That's why I love the book, The Lamb, that we sell in the bookstore at the Museum of Creation and Earth History in Santee because it tells on a child's level with beautiful illustrations the great, the message of the Bible. I would to God that every mom and dad took time to sit down with their children and participate as their children read the book to the family and go around the family asking the 14 or so questions at the end of each chapter. Why is that important? Why is it important for children to learn the Bible so that children do not repeat the sins of others in the past? The Bible is such a wonderful book because it makes, it draws us into it, it makes us live the lives of others, and it causes us to feel the pain of sin and embeds within us the, the fear of the consequences of sin. Like it says in Psalm 119.9, Psalm 119.9, or just like we would just heard sing to us, blessed is the man that walks in the counsel, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And it goes on and says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law does he meditate day and night. 
light and he'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. The Bible makes us live in the lives of others and live their mistakes and not have to do it ourselves. Psalm 119.9, Psalm 119.9 says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word. 1 Corinthians 10.11, 1 Corinthians 10.11 tells us, all these things happened unto them for examples for they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world is now come. I mean, I wanna learn, I wanna learn all about the sea in Loretto. I wanna learn about it. I wanna learn where all the shallow rocks are. I wanna learn where there's, there's two sunken trees. I wanna learn where those two trees are under the water. And so I go around a little aluminum 14 foot skiff boat and I wanna know that because I don't ever wanna take a boat and scrape the bottom. And I have done that and I never forget it. I don't have to make a note where those shallow rocks are, they're embedded in me, and when I come near those areas and that water, fear grabs me like a bad memory. The Loretto River empties into the sea, and during great storms, a lot of rocks have been washed there, even two trees, as I mentioned, they're right there, and I remember the time I was 500 feet from the edge of the beach, in front of the Loretto River, and I was just putting along there, probably going about 10 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, boom, and I watched the back transom of the boat go like that, and the propeller literally bit the sand, and uh, that minus one propeller, broken propeller. I don't need to make a note about that. I stay one mile now out from that Loretto River. Whenever I see that Loretto River, I get afraid and I remember what happened, and I swing out a big, wide berth. It only took one time to make me afraid of that shallow water. And now, I don't wanna learn where all the shallow waters are that way. So I study charts, I study charts, and whenever I come to an obstacle and shallow waters are, I don't need to hit those rocks in the bottom, those dangerous places, I only need to know where they are, and the charts do that for me. The charts do that for me, and I have those charts on my phone. And so when I go down here, let me just get over to where Loretto is, over here. Here it is. I got them all marked. <laughs> and I go out there, and I just, uh, because I study them, because I, and I, when I find something that's shallow, I put a flag on it, put a flag on it. I do that because I don't need to hit every obstruction to know where they are. If I did that, I wouldn't have a boat. And that's what the Bible is. Charts that tell us where the dangers are in life. As the hymn puts it, Jesus, I have this hymn in my boat. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rock and treacherous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee, Savior, pilot me. There's one part at the south end of Donzanti Island where it's marked migrating shoals. That's really dangerous. That means a sand burn that moves. So I give that a big wide berth. Now there's a destruction that's coming that's described in verse four, and the destruction is a judgment of God, and this is a description of four insects. These just insects, when you look at them, it alone, it looks like this little insect could not cause any damage. Actually, these four insects, even though they're given different words, they're actually varieties of the same, they're locusts. There's four locusts here, they're just varieties of locusts. It's the little 
locust, a little bitty locust. What locust? What harm could it do? Well, not much if we're just talking about one locust. But the judgment here is not just one locust. The judgment here is a swarm of locusts. Locust was one of the terrible plagues that God brought to Egypt in Exodus 10:14. Exodus 10:14. The locusts went up all over the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them, there were no such locust as they, neither after them shall there be such. This plague of locust, it's hard for us to imagine, but this is the judgment that God brought, a plague of locust. So terrible was it over Egypt that it destroyed the land of Egypt, absolutely destroyed it. They were all over the land of Egypt. There was not any piece of land that didn't have these locusts. It was, there was no stretch of sand on any beach in Egypt that didn't have locusts all over them. The locust, if you can imagine, covered the windows of the houses so that the houses you couldn't look out of them. The locust covered the doors of the houses. So when the doors opened, they just swarmed in to the houses. They crawled under the covers of your bed. So you crunched as you wanna, as you turned. They were on your pillows, under your pillows. And that's what's meant by Exodus 10:14. Exodus 10:14. The locust went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt, very grievous were they. There was no place to escape to. There was no place to hide in. There was no place you could crawl away from where there were no locusts. They were everywhere, and that's why the locusts are described in Exodus 10, 14. Very grievous were they. And it was not just that these locusts were everywhere. It was the type of locusts, the type of locusts. They were unusual locusts because people were seeing them we're seeing in Exodus 10, 14, Exodus 10, 14, before them there were no such locusts as they, neither after them were, shall be such. No one ever saw locusts like this before. No one ever saw these locusts. They were never, there were never locusts that were so big like that before. They were larger than any locusts had ever been before. There's never been a locust as large as that before. There were never so many locusts in one place before that, since the plague of locusts has never been such a large colony of locusts in one place since then. There were never locusts that were more voracious than any locusts like that in the past. There had never been any locusts so hungry since that in Egypt. These locusts ate everything. The land was completely destroyed by these locusts. These locusts were more loud than any other locusts in the past. There's never been locusts so loud since that is in Egypt. The sound of all these locusts was just deafening. You couldn't sleep because of the noise that those locusts made. You rolled over on your bed. You, as I said, you felt the crunch of the squashed locusts. And the sound of those locusts was so insulting, you'd wanna go out of your mind. All because those locusts were created as a plague to torment. They tormented the Egyptians because the Jewish people were God's son. And very simply put, Egypt would not let Israel leave from the enslavement. And it was, it was not just for a morning that those locusts were in Egypt, that they came, they, they left. 
It was not just for an afternoon that they were in Egypt, that they came and they left. It was not just for a day that they came and they left. They were there for days, days, and they were special locusts which were created for one purpose, to torment, and they tormented the Egyptians for a few days. And the whole design of the Egyptian plague of locusts was to humble the Egyptians with a little insect, the locust, and God was leading the Egyptians to be to repent and to let Israel go, turn around. And this plague of locusts that Joel's describing in this chapter, in verse four, it actually lasts for four years. This is a four-year plague. So devastating, so complete, because the whole design of this plague of locusts in Joel 4 here in verse four was to humble Israel, again, with a little insect that God was leading Israel to repent from their sins. And the whole design of God with troubles that come into a lost person's life is to humble and lead that person to faith in Jesus Christ. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.